Good morning. I'm Carrie Miller. This is a special Big Books and Bold Ideas, the show and podcast where readers meet writers, and we're live. Today, an avalanche of books, the books I loved, the books you loved, the books our guests loved. Your to-be-read list is going to be overflowing with delicious reads when the hour is done. As you're listening, you're listening to the conversation developed this morning, and as our guests join in, I want to hear about the one book, fiction or nonfiction, that you evangelized about this year, the one book you pressed into the hands of your friends or insisted that your sister-in-law read. You said you have got to read this. One book that simply has to go to the top of our to-be-read list. Here's the phone number, 651-227-6000. That book doesn't have to be brand new, although I'm hoping to hear some new titles because it was an incredible year for books. But it's the book that you said to your circle, I'm just not going to be satisfied until you read this book. Here's the phone number, 800-242-2828-651-227-6000. Our guest, Glory Edom, is the creator of Well-Read Black Girls. She joins us this morning from Washington, D.C. Glory, welcome back to the show. Long time no chat. How have you been? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) It's really good to hear your voice again. And I know you've been reading up a storm and I can't wait to hear what's on the list. So thanks for being here. And Julie Buckles is the owner of Honest Dog Books in Bayfield, Wisconsin. She's with us in the studio. Julie, welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Carrie. This is a joy and a pleasure. It's, it's good to have you. Glory, on the Richter scale of reading, what kind of a reading year did you have? Where would you put it on the scale? Okay, my scale is going to be pretty high between um, 8 to 10 because I read so many books this year. I just like... Every year I tend to read more books, but this year felt different because I was like, okay, I want to. Last year I had trouble kind of really getting into a novel and staying with it. This year was really? that was not the case. I was like really just devouring books and listening to more audiobooks. It just was a good year for reading for me. Well, I'm just curious about what was going on last year that you were you were struggling to get into. It sounds like you were really struggling to get into fiction, kind of escape. Why? Yeah, because I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. I love memoirs. I t- like that's like my thing. And I don't know. Last year just was like I was in a slump. I feel like I wasn't finding books I really connected with. Um, I wasn't getting as many reading recommendations as I usually do. And so this year I was getting way more recommendations that kind of felt like my vibe. I was like, okay, these are the stories that really pull me in and I want to stay with them. I want to like stay with the protagonist. It just was a better year for me. All right. Julie, what kind of a reading year was it on the Richter scale of reading? Was it kind of earthquaking full of books that really changed your life? Was it more of a, you know, just constant uh, small quakes? How would you describe it? It was a really, really good year. Um, And I think it's because I started off so strong. And I'm sure for the two of you as well, once you've read a really good book, you want to read the next really good book and the next really good book. (laughs) Right on. And it kind of snowballs. And I had that kind of year. I, in January, read um, uh, House of Broken Angels by Luis Alberto Urea. Oh, yes, girl. Yes. I know. And I read it and it's just such a beautiful, rich, deep story. And then... And then I wanted my husband to hear it. And so we listened to it on audio. And then I got to hear the language. And 
it just it just kicked off my year. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been a really good one. You know, it's, it, I'm glad you mentioned Luis Alberto Urea because he's got that new book out, Goodnight Irene, yes. which I loved, which, as you know, did he come to the store? He did. Julie? So I got okay. to hear him perform a piece. He's amazing. So uh, let's tell the story a little bit of what's in that novel, because it's the first... It's, I should say, it's the latest autobiographical novel. I know he's drawn from his family history, but, but tell us a little bit about what you loved about that book. Well, it's, it's telling, and I, and I think there's so much of that going on right now, which is also what has me so excited about reading, but it's retelling stories. And I love this ability to now tell non-fictional stories in a fictional way. So mm-hmm. very readable you know, takes us inside the head of the characters. But in this case, um, his mother was at what was called a donut dolly during World War II. And these were women who traveled with the men to the front lines. And then there's so little known about them. And his, mo- uh, his wife came to him, Cindy, and said, you need to write a story about this. He's like, ah, everybody knows about the donut dollies. And she's <laughs> no. an investigative reporter, and she showed him the evidence, and she said, no, actually, nobody knows. But the amazing part of this story is that he, his mother was dead when uh, he started thinking about this, but he contacted her best friend, Jill, who she had served with, and right. Jill was still alive. And, and living like a hundred miles, yeah, from him. like very That's close. Incredible. And he said, "Well, I'll come by sometime to interview you." And he, she's like, "Well, you better make it fast because I'm like 96." Um, so anyway, he has had an incredible response from Donut Dolly's. Um, they so continued glad. into the Vietnam War, and um, and he so he put that out to the audience. Uh, somebody out there needs to write that book. Um, but yeah, my yeah. my mother t- tweeted or texted me when she got done and said. This just wasn't a reading experience. It was an experience that I'll never oh, forget. Yeah, amazing I love book. That. Okay, the one book, if you've just tuned in, it's a Big Books and Bold Ideas live about the books you love, the books I love, the books our guests loved. 1-800-242-2828-651-227-6000. To Alex in Matamidi. Hi, Alex. Glad you called. What's your book? Oh, shoot, we lost Alex. Okay, I think she was going to talk about Winter's Song, A Hymn to the North by Tommy Mischke. Are you carrying that, Julie, at your bookstore? No, I'm writing it down, though, right now, because it sounds like something we should. She says he captures our love and hatred of winter, so of course that's going to resonate. Glory, I want to come back to you on Urea, because, and what Julie said about drawing from you know, some autobiographical detail. I mean, there was a reason that Louise felt that the story would even resonate more as fiction, but I feel like we're seeing more of that. And I wonder if if you're thinking about books or reading about books that do that. Well, in the book that's really holding me right now is Company by Shannon Sanders. So it's a debut collection. She follows like this multi-generational Black family, the Collins, and each story kind of has a different purview. And what's so great about this story is it's not only is it short stories, but it has this quality of just like 
pulling you in and getting into their interior lives. So you feel like you're really getting to know each person, each character, and it feels realistic. Like I love when you feel like you're falling into a story and suddenly you want to turn to the person and say like, hey, like, why did you make that decision? Like what what was going on in your (laughs) head, you know? So I start to have these like one-on-one conversations with these characters. And she's from DC. I'm now in Washington, DC. So a lot of the things that she's referencing, I like, I understand the context of them. I understand the feeling of them. Um, and it's such a beautiful story. So that definitely was one of my favorites for this year. And I can't, I can't even explain how much I love when a debut writer is able to like hold that gravitas and like just understand this, like the, telling a story that doesn't feel forced in any way. It just was such a beautiful story. Like she really pulls you in. Okay. So my Richter scale of reading here before we take another call is at an eight, like you guys, it sounds like. And Abraham Verghese is the, mm-hmm. the covenant of water Ooh. is, is really what made my year. And I see Carol called from Fargo to say covenant of water, just an amazing story. The plot moved incredible characters. You know, he has done a world tour. Abraham Verghese is now in Bangalore promoting that, but it's just the love for that novel does not end. So if you want to call and share the love of the Covenant of Water, I'm ready to hear that. 651-227-6800-242-2828 to Bridget in Little Falls. Hi, Bridget. Thanks so much for waiting. Hey, I'm here. Hey, hi. (laughs) Glad you called. What's your book? So, Anything by Claire Keegan, but really her novella, Foster, that was followed up with the uh, Irish film, The Quiet Girl. She has Ah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful writing. Irish, right? By birth? She is, Bridget? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for the call. Hey, I feel like, uh, Glory, I don't read enough novellas, and I don't read a lot of short stories, and so I love having Bridget call in to say, yeah, turn your attention back to novellas. Do you read novellas? Do you feel like you're getting a little short change? <laughs> Sometimes oh. I do because they're short. You know, novellas are so great because they hold your attention. So someone like me where I'm like, I tend to read four or five books at a time. So when you get a novella in my hand, I'm like, yes, this is it because I can finish it quickly. And short <laughs> stories are are my favorite too. I mean, I just mentioned uh, Shannon's book collection company, but also there was a, a great short story collection by uh, Jamil Brinkley. It was called Witness. Did you did mm. you guys read that book by any chance? No, I have not. No, I haven't heard of it. Julie, have you? No, I'm writing it down. Okay, please put it on your list. So basically, Brinkley, he gives like insight on what it is to be a native New Yorker. And each protagonist basically is a witness to something. So their like surroundings are constantly changing. So one story is about relationships, another one's about neighborhoods. Um, One story is just about like, um, just growing up in a certain city. And so you get to see like this fast paced feeling of New York. You feel that in each story, but also you get to see their interpersonal lives. So there's a theme I'm going for. I really want to know the insides. I want to know what a person is thinking. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. At Glory Edom, if you're just getting in on the show, is the creator of Well Read Black Girl. And Julie Buckles is with us. She's the owner of Honest Dog Books. In Bayfield, Wisconsin, she turns me on to a lot of regional literature, which I love. Uh, John of Minneapolis called early. He said, this year I reread Upton Sinclair's The Jungle and John mm-hmm. Steinbeck's The Grapes of Wrath. Love that, John. I'm going to talk about rereading with our guests in a minute. But let me grab a call here from Peggy in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. 
Hi, Peggy. Thanks for waiting. Hi, good morning. Hey, Peggy, tell me what kind of a reading year it was for you. G- give me the reading Richter scale. Are you at a five? Are you at an, at an eight? What would you say? You know, it, it's been slow for me ever since actually 2020. And our, our book club really hasn't gotten back in full swing since really? 2020. Oh, since and the I, pandemic. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a former literacy teacher. Many of my mm. book club friends are teachers. But this year I started, I've read a few. I had trouble concentrating up until recently, really. Wow. But I did love the book Foster that mm. someone just mentioned. Claire Keegan. Good. Claire Keegan. Yes. But I traveled some this fall and I found a book. Well, a friend gave me a book that I, I really enjoyed. And it's for the first one I've enjoyed and been, and been able to, I don't know, stay with for yeah. a couple of years. And it's called West with Giraffes. I've heard of this book. What'd you love about it? Everything. It's historical <laughs> fiction. So there's that. It's, it's based on true um, events, starting with the famous hurricane of 1938 on the East uh-huh. Coast. Uh-huh. And in that hurricane, two giraffes were traveling to the United States, ultimately to the San Diego Zoo. <clears throat> and they were caught and they survived that hurricane. And then it's, the story is their trip, their travels to from the East Coast across the country, and this is in the, well, the late 30s, mm-hmm. the Depression. It's just the characters are so endearing, including you know, Peggy, boy and girl, the giraffe. Yeah. I was just going to say, Peggy, I'm so glad you called with historical fiction. Glory, I find myself reading a lot more historical fiction, and I don't know if that's because there's just so much out there and there's some really interesting innovation with with historical fiction um i don't i don't know are you what what where does that take a place on your reading list i mean where does that really fit for you oh i i really love historical fiction i the one that comes to mind i think everyone probably read this book this year is the fraud by Zadie smith yeah i thought that like i mean it just was so Great, this idea of uh, this butcher trying to claim to be like the heir of this like large British estate. There was a like, controversy. There was also this um, these kind of like Easter eggs of the characters being friends with you know Charles Dickens and all these other. There, there was just a lot of things happening with the trial. So I like historical fiction because there's a level of escapism in it, and there's also just. Um, if you're like me, you'll pause every once in a while and go into a rabbit hole to figure yeah. out like, what's true and what's not. Okay. Okay. I'm so glad you said that because I loved Moonrise over New Jessup, and I know you oh. read that. And I did that. This is yes. the this is a book about and we have the uh the podcast interview archived, Moonrise over New Jessup. I loved learning about the history of black only towns in the South. I had no idea that this was a part of American history. Did you know about it before you read the novel? 
Oh, I mean, I, I mean, she does such a great job of like looking at like the American civil rights movement and the complexity right. of it and just and even like talking about the Great Migration and again, telling these unique stories and making them really compelling. Uh, she just has a, a beautiful gift. We had a conversation with her at the D.C. Public Library. And at one point, she literally mm-hmm. stands up and gives this beautiful monologue of like the first um, few pages of her book by memory. It was just like beautiful oh to witness. Wow. <laughs> like, she's an incredible author, but there's a sense of like lushness and very, it's oh, very lyrical. Yeah. She's telling the story of the American South, um, particularly Alabama, but she's also just adding this like beautiful quality of just um, richness, you know, like you really get into the characters' mindsets. Yeah. Moonrise over New Jessup was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite novels Me of 2023. Too. Me too. Jamila Minix. And again, you can hear the interview uh, on the archived podcast here. If you've just gotten in on the show, Glory Edom is with us. She's the founder of Well-Read Black Girl. And Julie Buckles is with us. She's the owner of Honest Dog Books in Bayfield, Wisconsin. I'm Carrie Miller, and we are talking about the books that you just pressed into a friend's hand and said, I am not going to be satisfied till you read this. You have got to read this. Or the book that your book club conversation was on fire about. What is it? 651-227-6800-242-2828. If you get a busy signal, call me back. I am building a monster list here that we're going to post on Instagram and on Twitter and all the places that you go to see NPR books. You can also reach me on Twitter this hour at Carrie, K-E-R-R-I-M-P-R. To Eugene in Stillwater. Hi, Eugene. Thanks so much for waiting. How are you? Hey, Eugene, are you there? Okay. Uh, we... Can you hear me? Yeah, hi. Yeah, go right ahead. What's the book that you yeah. loved? Thanks for taking my call, Carrie. I appreciate sure. it. Sure. Good to have you. Say, I, uh, I'm an outdoorsy type of guy, and I stumbled on a young adult novel here uh, this last summer called Angry Water. Um, it's written by a local author, I think, uh, Alan Thiessen is his name. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, uh, you know, you don't run across too many outdoor adventure novels for uh, young adults, especially boys. And you know, the ones you think about are like uh, My Side of the Mountain and Brian's Winter, etc. Well, yeah. this book wasn't quite to that quality, but it, it, it was something that was just fun to read. It was an easy read. It was about five guys that uh, were graduating from high school, one heading off to the uh, Air Force Academy, and they wanted to do something kind of memorable. And they <laughs> decided to uh, take a river trip down the St. Croix, the Namakagan, the Totagatik Rivers, and they just had a, had a good time. But the yeah, ending you, was a bit of a tearjerker. So, I, Eugene, I love this because I live near the St. Croix River Valley, and we have Julie. I wonder if she's stocking this book, Julie Angry <laughs> Waters. Uh oh, we're I, putting you on the spot. Well, I I am now, and um, I I, I <laughs> agree. Good. There are so few fictionalized good adventures. I I really have a problem with adventures where the characters are idiots and that's why they get into trouble because you know they have to get into trouble but one i also would recommend is peter heller's uh the river oh and it's two young men taking a trip and they are so competent and they it's just uh a weird situation and um and a lot of drama as they go down the river and it's a canadian river and um, it's his right. I'm on a Peter Heller tear. You I just are? finished the guide. Oh, Julie, oh. I love his work. I just okay. finished the last Ranger. 
Dog I mean, Star. He, yeah, Dog Star, which is one of his first. And I, think I love that one. Known, but yeah, come back to... I, and, you know, I am going to say this. Peter Heller, I think, is worthy of rereading. If you've been through the canon, you've read them all, and now I have. Julie, what do you think about rereading? Do you, do you see it as... Oh, I'm kind of wasting my time. I know it. there's so many books out there. Or does it allow you to savor a book and see new dimensions to it that, that you might have missed? Well, it helps me function in the world to think I'm going to, I get to reread this if I want to. I don't always go back and reread, but there are books I do. Um, Ann Patchett's Bel Canto is my lifetime favorite, I think. And is I, it? I yeah. do. I, I just, and I reread it during the pandemic. And I loved it even more than I had when I'd read it as a younger woman. And and I think what appeals to me about it is just people brought together in this kind of claustrophobic way and the way they all start to interact and get to know one another. And it's just such a beautiful comment on humanity and, mm. and also just a really good story. Mary from Golden Valley called to say um, The Seed Keeper by Diane mm. Wilson. Also another wonderful book for rereading because there's so much there. Easy to miss. Um, some of the dimensions of that. And then she she talks about The Comfort of Crows by Margaret Rankle. And of course, we had her for Talking Volumes. And that was the first time I've ever interviewed Margaret Rankle. She was exceptional. It was a wonderful, sensational night at the Fitzgerald <laughs> Theater. And you can hear it on the podcast. Back to the phones here to Alan in Iowa. Hey, Alan, thanks so much for waiting. How are you? Great. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can. Go right ahead. Okay, with What's perfect. the book you loved? Uh, book I loved this year was uh, Lessons in Chemistry by <laughs> Bonnie Garns. <laughs> you okay, and everyone I love else. I <laughs> that you're reading it. I know, Alan. Way to go. And I've, what, what, I've watched uh, I've watched the series on Apple TV, which is streaming now, which is very good as well. But I've been listening, and your comments on historical fiction brought yeah. to mind um, uh, the entire Gene All series that I read. Oh yeah, Cave of the Clan of the Cave, yeah, yeah. Cave of the Clan, yep. yeah, Plan, something like that. Clan yeah. of the Cave Bear. <laughs> couple a couple right. other things that books I read as uh, a child that I've reread and have tried to interest some of my grandchildren include Kipling's The Jungle Book. Wonderful. Yeah, and, and, really good. And and Watership Down. I think I've reread that about three times. I, I usually I, read a lot of murder mystery action authors. Ken Follett's been one of my favorites forever. I read Ken Follett, too. Hey, Alan, I don't want to miss what you just said, though, and I want to take this back to Glory. Glory, do you save, I guess, some childhood classics for rereading, or do you have a tendency to... Hey, I love that book. I read it ten years ago. Maybe I missed something. How do you, how do you determine this? Well, it really depends on my mood. I think um, I'm trying to think of the most recent thing that I reread. Oh, you know what? I reread The Color Purple because mm. I knew the musical was coming out. You know, yes. it, it comes out in a couple of weeks, and I was trying to like think like how did I feel when I read The Color Purple? Because I was in college, I was much younger, um, so I wanted to kind of like revisit that. So I reread that, and it did have the same resonance, and it felt so clear and beautiful. I was really taken by Alice Walker's work, and I can't wait to watch the film. Um, and now that I'm like I'm a, I'm a new mom, well. 
not so new. My son is now three, but I'm also thinking about the things that I read as a child and what I want to expose him to. So I do, I'm starting to collect different novels and different stories that I was really fond of as a kid. And um, earlier someone mentioned like wilderness and I was thinking about the book Hatchet. That was like mm. such a book that I read in elementary school that I loved and it taught me about like independence and I can't wait for my son to read it. So I think there are stories that I have on my bookshelf that I'm saving to reread or have a like a new experience with them. You know, I, I also think you're speaking to the side, going back to read The Color Purple, I'm sure you were in a very different place in your life. You oh, were absolutely. a different reader when you read The Color Purple. I know. And it was so, I remember the swirl of publicity. It's Oprah, the movie, you know, I, I feel like I would read The Color Purple and I'm going to put it on my list to go back to in a very different way than I read it in the moment. And oh, I think yeah. there's a lot to be said for that, yeah? Yeah, because you have like a, a new lens because you have new life experiences and you can like, you have just more reference points when after you read a book a, a second or a third time and you get to see things in a new way. And I do enjoy that experience. It's actually making me think of another book that came out this year. Um, Imani Perry, she edited the book Sing a Black yes. Girl Song, um, yeah. the unpublished works of Intasaki uh, Shange. And oh my goodness, it was like reading a history lesson and understanding like Black feminism in a totally new way. And, and it's a thick book, but I like really sat with it and went through every poem, every essay, all this archival, beautiful photos of her at a Bard. And it, it just was beautiful. And it made me want to go back and read, you know, her other works and kind of revisit them and have another, a new understanding of her life and how she decided to write things. And I cannot, you know, just like round of applause to Amani Perry and how she put this collection together because it was, it was brilliant. All right. Let me grab a call here before we go to news. I want to get Sherry from Red Lake Falls in. Hi, Sherry. Thanks so much for Hi. waiting. How are you? Glad to talk to you. Yeah, good to have you. Okay. What's the novel that you've read or the nonfiction book that you've read that you are telling all your friends about and your book club? I would tell all my friends about... Firstly, that you have on your podcast an interview with Lawrence Wright, I think in uh, 2001, right. maybe. You are, <laughs> yeah, from the, lean, I think the Leaning a, Tower. Yeah. The, yes, and as you well know, he is a beautiful novelist, investigative journalist, yep. poet, plotter of all kinds, and <laughs> Mr. Texas. Ah, uh, yes. I love, and it's nice to listen to as I'm going about my chores here on the farm. <laughs> and for once, believe it or not, we've got a real sale barn where the hero of our novel, who turns out to be even better than he himself imagined <laughs> for the wrong reasons, as usual, has to sell 15 heifers, uh -oh. no hay, drought, what's happening in Minnesota and the Dakotas right now, people are selling hay for such an exorbitant price because there is no hay and there won't be any hay next year. The herds have been diminished. His heartbreaking sale of Mr. Texas, yeah. he manages to slip out of. His mother is having kind of a, what do they call it now, a situation 
with the sale barn director. <laughs> Sherry, hangs out you're telling us, Sherry, I can tell you love this novel. I don't want you to give too much of it away. I have it on my no. library list. <laughs> oh, so, please. Thank you. And you can do it audio. <laughs> all right, all right. Mr. Texas by Lawrence Wright. Oh, he is a fantastic writer, as Sherry says. To Mara in Hopkins, how are you? Yes, I'm doing great. I could not let you go without talking about Heather Cox Richardson's <laughs> Democracy Awakening. Tell me. It's a nonfiction book, and it is right up the alley of NPR listeners, because what she does is she takes current events And as a professor of history, she puts them all in a historical context and shows you what are the echoes, what has been happening in the past that has led up to where we are in the present. And it's well-written, it's gripping, it's fast-paced, it's engaging, and it makes you feel like you understand what you're listening to on the news every day in a broader context. Wow. She accomplishes a lot. A lot of people are talking about her Substack newsletter, too. I'm going to yes. I'm gonna get you on the list for the book. That, or reading that on um, yeah. Facebook, and she does these interviews where she'll just answer your questions. What's going on yeah. in the news? Oh, cool. Bravo. Excellent yeah. addition to the list. Uh, Democracy Awakens by Heather Cox Richardson. To Jennifer in Dresser, Wisconsin. Hi, Jennifer. Good to have you on the phone. Hey, good- Good morning. Um, well, in answer to your Richter scale question, I would say this year was a solid seven. Um, okay, we're tell busy, me why. You're busy this year, moving, opening a business, et cetera, but I read so many books that I have recommended to other people, and my top two were Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano. Way to um, go. I recommend that especially for people who have sisters um, <laughs> because it's just it's told from the perspective of a husband of one of them. But it's really about this incredible bond that these four sisters um, in Chicago have. And it just I have three sisters, so it really I can really relate. <laughs> this was and an Oprah second, book pick, I think, wasn't it, Jennifer? A I, lot of people read yeah, that Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, and then The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich, which... I don't know if any of you read it, but it really, boy, that one made me think a lot. I'm about hearing a lot you, about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's a quick read, and you wonder how it all ties together, but it all ties together in the end. And, boy, it really makes you think about, do you want to know when your end is coming, or do you not? Would Ooh. you live your life differently if you did? Um, but yeah, no, such a good a question solid. for a show. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jennifer, absolutely. thanks so much. Really appreciate it. So I'm curious, uh, Julie, if you sell on the whole more nonfiction or fiction? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Definitely fiction. Definitely fiction. Well, okay. See, I thought you were going to say nonfiction because you know that nonfiction outsells fiction, but I consider it a huge accomplishment that so many people are calling up with fiction. I just love that. Yeah. So how do you lure more people into reading fiction at Honest Dog? I re- I lure more people into reading nonfiction. <laughs> really? Well, because yeah, they're be- ready to read the they're fiction. They're ready to read the fiction. Though I um how do we it's just the you know, I have this incredible staff. We love books so much and and so um it is fun. And one of the most fun things we do is every month we have a pick of the month club. And so it may be fiction or nonfiction. And it's usually the book that we're selling or that we want everyone to read. And then what we'll do is pair it 
with the other genre. So it's <laughs> almost good. like wine and cheese. And <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. And so, um, for instance, we I chose The Paris Bookseller, um, which is historical fiction. It's the story of Sylvia Beach, 1920s. She goes to Paris and opens Shakespeare and Company. Right. And, and she becomes the center of James Joyce and Fitzgerald and and it's just such a rich book. And we paired it with the uh, nonfiction book of Diary of a Bookseller, which mm. is uh, a Scottish bookseller who's quite hilarious. Um, so, yeah, so we're just, I don't know, we kind of, it, there's a little bit of fluidity in our store. And we'll put fiction in with our nonfiction because we think it is, for instance, like ecofiction you is in with the up. nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's kind of fun to pair and mix, mix it up a bit. Okay. I'm going to throw out a couple titles that made this an eight on the reading Richter scale for me this year. Of course, I've mentioned The Covenant of Water, which I love and I highly recommend to everyone. I loved, Glory, I loved Deepti Kapoor's Age of Vice. Read it in January. Still remember the experience of reading that novel. How about you? Have you read that? I have I have not read that just oh. yet. Oh, I yeah, know it's on. I know I have to. I have to. <laughs> it's coming out in paperback. It is your time, uh, and I'm going to mention a new one. And um, the interview with this author is coming. But what a revelation! Sophia Sinclair's "How oh. to Say Babylon." I was waiting. Uh, I was hoping someone said, I absolutely yes. love that book. Like, if you are a fan of Tara Westover's Educated, you will fall yep. in love with this mm. book. I mean, yes. she, A, she's a poet, right? So anytime a poet writes a, a, a memoir, a novel, anything, their their language is just so precise and beautiful. And so she basically talks about growing up in a strict Rastafarian family and how she had decided to use poetry as a pathway to just like find her own voice and really claim her own identities. But she does a great job of like showing you the inner workings of what it means to be in a Rastafarian family and the history of it. Um, and it goes beyond the beautiful beaches and the reggae riffs. Like you really see like the distinctness of her family, in particular, her father and her mother. Her father is just like this very demanding figure in the novel Mm -hmm. and takes up um, a powerful space. And you can see how their relationship is filled with tension, but also a lot of love. I absolutely loved reading this book. I mean, I have to hear your review. Like, what did you think of it, Carrie? I would love to hear your thoughts. So I wasn't aware of her, Glory, as a poet. And she, she taught me a lot of new things about a culture in her homeland of Jamaica. But the way she wove in this kind of, listeners, don't be scared of this, but beautiful poetic language with the prose that just took me inside this life and this this kind of power dynamic in her family and some of the experiences that shaped her as the writer she is. I mean, I can't recommend it enough, Glory. I and and I know she's getting she's getting a lot of plays, which is great. So I can't yeah, wait to see yeah. what she does next. Let me go yeah. back to the phones here to Tim. Let's see if we, if we can get Tim in Eden, Utah. Hi, Tim. I know you've been good waiting morning. for a bit. It's good to have you on the phone. What have you Happy been reading? Good to be here. Uh, what have you been reading? I've been kind of, the book I've been pushing on my friends uh, because they, like I, share some concerns about the future of democracy in the United States as well as the world writ large. 
Um, the book is A Fever in the Heartland by Timothy mm-hmm. Egan. It's about the Klan in uh, Indiana in the 20s and how a single brave woman basically broke their stranglehold on the political and people, the p- political system in Indiana back then. It's just rich with details, really a parallels between where we are right now and what was going on in Indiana in the 20s is, is just amazing. And it gives you a whole lot of hope for the future. So that's what I've been pushing on, my friends. Excellent, excellent choice. And Tim Egan, Tim, I wonder if you have read some of Timothy Egan's other work, because, of course, oh, yeah. he writes yeah, yeah. these like novels, right? This nonfiction. He does. He's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah, he's a great author. Really, really glad for the call. We'll put that on the list to Steve in Minneapolis. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for waiting. What's your choice? Hey, thank you. Doggone it. I got to throw out Ron Cherno's name. <laughs> Absolutely. Always. Um, I just want to say about that book, I am not a reader. I'm a slow reader. and um, yet That makes you a took... reader, my friend. It might make <laughs> you a right. slow reader, but you're a reader. Okay. That's right. So, you know, if I get to one book in a year, Wow. <laughs> and this particular book uh, thrust me into things that I'd never really thought about because it's a rich history in the most personal way. And uh, that book, all I can say is um, if we were to take that book and superimpose it over today mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all the all the political fiction we deal with, and here's a, here's a book that deals with such detailed reality from him being a horseman even when he was, at, uh, you know, basically a grade schooler, and he's taking people on rides over rough rivers. Yeah, this and is then, Ulysses S. Grant, yeah. yeah that's right. The Grant book um, tells stories about his time at West Point. It's also about, you know, his unlikely um, abilities as president. And um, it, it's just so rich that I can't um, can't endorse it enough, even though it's been around for a long time. Steve, I'm going to say one more thing about that book, because I agree. I want everybody to read it. You know, the the slings and arrows, the 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 nasty publicity that Grant had to endure uh, is not that far from kind of what political figures have to endure today. So uh, there's a lot of resonance, isn't it? Really good choice. I'm curious to to hear. Yeah, Yeah. I want to add one thing, and that is. You know, the details that you find in this book, you won't believe. And what's the the question is, what's what's Grant got to do with John Wilkes Booth? Well, there's an answer to that in the book. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, what a good teaser, Steve. Yes, everybody should read. Okay, Nally says on Twitter, Tom Lake by Ann Patchett was the book I did not want to end in 2023. Julie, um, so Ann, when she was here for Talking Volumes, told me that her book... A novel has never sold so fast and furiously as this one did, and she attributes it all to TikTok and uh, Instagram at her bookstore in Nashville. Does that make sense to you? She's now finally on TikTok and Instagram, and this novel has sold like crazy because she got on social media, which she used to hate. She has definitely become an influencer and a star, and I follow her TikTok account and her Instagram, and I don't know. She also got a full-page spread in our ad in New Yorker, so that might have helped as well. <laughs> that might have helped. <laughs> and she also had Meryl Streep doing the audio, um, oh, yes. which I listened to, and it was uh, a delight. I got into my car. I was reading a really hard book at the time, and... 
which I I hope I get a chance to talk about. But um, and then I would get in the car and listen to Meryl Streep reading Tom Lake and or performing Tom Lake really, and yeah. it was just like, oh, this is so pleasant. I mean, yeah. you're in an orchard in gotcha. in Michigan, and um, just a telling of a story from her younger days, and um, yeah, so I I I enjoyed it immensely. I Nancy agree. Says, I, I'm I think sorry, that... Glory. Go right ahead. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, I agree. TikTok and Meryl Streep. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll take things over. I I, I love Tom Lake yeah. as well. <laughs> it was good. You know, my favorite of hers is State of Wonder, but um, oh, Tom Lake was a. I think it was reflective. She wrote it during the pandemic. Yeah. I think it has that kind of you know vibe to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, Nancy says, I read The Way I Used to Be by Amber Smith in 12 hours. As the mom of young women, oh. I was heartbroken to read about the trauma she experiences. Gail says, I've devoted the past 14 months to the detective series by Robert Gail Braith, J.K. Rowling. Gail, I love those novels. The seventh book, The Running Grave, I have not read that yet, just came out in September. I am so taken with the series, and I love J.K. Rowling's writing um to sharon in st paul hi sharon you have a question hey sharon are you there okay here's the question she says i'm wondering if you can recommend a few of best books on audible i can't see well so most of my books come to me via audio uh glory how about some great audio books Okay, I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, and I think the two that really stood out for me were Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, it's about the Flores family. They're preparing for their sister's living wake. They all have these different magical talents. It's it's really beautiful and robust, and the audio is delicious. Like You can really sit and listen in your car as you're in your kitchen. The narrator does a great job of pulling you through the story and really emphasizing the personalities of each character. Character. So Flora was my was my favorite character. She was so um, a little bit ridiculous, sometimes nonsensical, but still like the foundation of the family. So I think you'll uh, love listening to that on audio. Another one that was a little bit more serious, but I found it um, really riveting was The Unsettled by Ayana Mathis. And so mm, yeah. this novel basically follows three generations um, of a family in Philadelphia in the 1980s. And the mother is a key figure who is an activist and she's trying to like also save her family in Alabama. So there's some ties of like the, the, the present with the family and then going back into the past to change some things. So it's a, a um, more, more intense, I would say. I think that novel is is more intense, but it's a be- also another beautiful listen if you like the the back and forth of a family trying to figure out how to um, stay together and also contend with like racism or just family dynamics. It, it's it was a great great book. Did you read it by chance? Did you Too read good. the Unsettled? I, I have not read the Unsettled. I've read Family Lore. I listened mm. to Family Lore. I'm going to throw another memoir out here before we hear from Julie on books she loved uh, to listen on audio. I listened to, on a cross-country road trip, I listened to Julie Yip Williams' Unwinding the Miracle. Have either of you heard, read this, heard it? No, tell it's, us about it. Oh, my gosh. It's one of the most affecting memoirs I've ever read. It came out in 2018. She is a beautiful... She's a lawyer, um... 
and and I'm not going to say too much about it because there's a lot of twists and turns, but her birth story and then her life story and then her death story is remarkable. Now, this is one of the books that I've pressed into the hands of friends and said, drop everything you've got to read. Again, it's called Unwinding the Miracle by Julie Yip Williams. Okay, Julie, um, audiobooks that you've loved that you can recommend for our listener, what would they be? Oh, absolutely. Um, and first, I'm going to make a plug for Libro FM. That is the okay. platform for huh. independent bookstores. Um, right. And so you could, if you're trying to break that old Amazon habit, um, you can switch over to Libro. Um, and it has everything. <laughs> or get it from the library. Or right? get it from the yeah. library. Libby, yes. Right. We have many Libby. Actually, I have to tell quickly this funny story of um, lessons in chemistry. I have a friend who called in an emergency. It was five minutes before the store closed. She said, do you have any copies of Lessons in Chemistry? And I said, yes. And she goes, I was listening to it on Libby. I'm in the last 20 minutes, and my uh, it expired. <laughs> and she said, I will not be able to sleep tonight oh, no. if I don't finish it. And it turned out it was just equaled six pages, and um, she brought it back the next morning. And um, I felt like I had done a true public service there. Um, I love the I, I listen to like two probably audiobooks a, a month and um, mm. in my car all the time going. I love the experience of audiobooks. What I think, and I'm trying to remember if I, it, this brings up poets as well as audio, is You Can Make This Place Beautiful by Maggie Smith. Uh, I, I bought that book at your, yes. ha- at your store. It, the yeah, cover has, it. has sold, it sells itself. Um, but it's, it's a, again, a book by a poet. So the prose is just beautiful. And it's the story of the end of her marriage and the start of a new life and raising two children and doing this all during the pandemic. And, um, and actually it's also a meditation on memoir and what is memoir for? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that her conclusion is it's for her, it's for telling her truth in the moment. And I just think it's uh, for it to be that much in the moment. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, but I also love the ones that have a language, so you can really hear the language and it. That's right. How it's properly Good supposed point. to be spoken. Yes. Um, so House of Broken Angels, I brought up before. Love that where this it's so much Spanish mixed in with the English, and another one that my um, staff listened to. I read it, but um, is Firekeeper's Daughter, mm. uh, Angelina Boli, um, which is one of our best-selling books. It's young adult, uh, just a great way to get to um, know and understand modern tribal life. Um, but there's a Jibwa in that. And so you get to hear that as well as um, instead of just reading it. Okay, I've got two minutes, less than two minutes left here. And I'm going to get no. to a couple calls. I know. Can you believe it to Janelle in Minnetonka? Hi, Janelle. I'm so glad you waited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what are you going to recommend? Um, so it is not a new book, but it is Still the one I recommend to press into everyone's hands. It is called Whiskey When We're Dry by John. Oh, I love this book. I love <laughs> yeah. this book, Janelle. So glad you called yeah. with this. Yeah, it's great. It is an amazing Western saga, and it just, I, I think I read it in two days, and I couldn't put it down. I mean, give me an orphan, a girl orphan, and give me the West, and I'm there for that, Janelle. There's, there's I'm no there better. Too, and, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Janelle, if you don't mind... Enough. I'm going to move real quick here to Dan in St. Paul. Dan, what's the book? Gary, hi. Um, hi. I'm so glad to hear uh, Whiskey When We're Dry. I love that book as well. I know. But my book is Stenneville by Paul yes! Giles. 
Yes, yes, uh, Dan. Dan. She's amazing. A lot of people are going to know News of the World because Tom Hanks was in the movie. I like everything she writes. Um, it's historical, post-Civil uh, War uh, novel with just a wonderful lead character. And here's the thing. I love Cormac McCarthy, who, of course, died earlier this year. And right. I had a hobby for a while of reading every book by somebody who was compared to Cormac McCarthy, Paulette Giles. And, of course, they were all men. But Paulette Giles, in my view, comes closest to his amazing Agreed. style of writing. Agreed. Anyway. She is wonderful. Yeah. Okay, I've got, Dan, thank you so much. I've got to say you thank you to Glory and Julie. Julie is the owner of Honest Dog Books in Bayfield, Wisconsin. Glory is the creator of Well Read Black Girl. There's so many books we didn't talk about, you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. It was great. <laughs> thank you. This thank was a you. blast.